Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Now, here is a motion picture film. Showtime! Do the bimes. Say hello to my little friend! Go ahead. Make my day. Come quietly or there will be trouble. I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Inconceivable! Welcome to the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm sorry, boys. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that. We smile too fast and can't think of a thing to say. Live with the best times. Live with the worst. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? And we come to you today with the latest edition of the Colt Corner series, and we're going to be talking about Memento from 2000. Now, this one, uh, you know, we, we had a little discussion off air as to whether, like, really, would this be considered a cult movie? Uh, Smoke, what do you think? Like, would you consider this a cult movie, or where does this kind of fall That's, to you? Yeah, I know. I kind of yeah, I know what you're saying. Because I mean, Christopher Nolan. And maybe at the time when he put this out there, he wasn't that well known because he had done one movie before it called The Following, right? Which yeah. kind of falls in line with the same sort of a neo-noir vibe, I guess. I haven't seen The Following, but I kind of know a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe Colton, that it was, it, it did really well, I think, for him. And allowed, it lost his career, basically. But he's such a mainstream, you know, now. You think of Christopher yeah, Nolan, yeah. you think of the back he's in, you know, so yeah, I don't know what the, I, I guess it is, but I mean, I, I don't know what the criteria necessarily. If we're talking about sort of cult films that are usually maybe not necessarily that well known, they do well for whatever yeah. reason or whatever. But yeah, this one kind of you know, you start by not knowing who Christopher Nolan is. You see this movie, then he he made it huge in Hollywood. Yeah, so yeah. The, yeah, shortly after this, away we go. I mean, this this really began it for him. It, it, it's loose. It's a loose cult connection. I kind of say it leans more towards cult a little bit just and I say that just because it, it was a fairly low budget it was only nine million dollars and it made and it and it kind of slowly made a ton of money you know it, like it wasn't like it came out and it was a surefire hit like I, I think I saw where somewhere like all the weeks that it was out it never ranked above like number eight in the box office the entire time it was out but it ended up making like 40 million dollars so you know see, and, yeah and it wasn't put out by a major studio you know see I get yeah. that but like you know it is a classic is it is it a cult classic? I don't think it's a cult classic. I think um, it, I think it might have. Yeah, I mean, like you know, a, a cult movie in a lot of ways, like it kind of is a, a movie that, like Smoke said, maybe a lot of people haven't heard of, and then it kind of gets a. That's where the term comes from. It gets kind of a cult following, right? Like all of its fans kind of push it up to a level that you know it wouldn't have been otherwise. So. And mm-hmm. that, in that regards, maybe it is, maybe it ain't. I don't know. You know. Yeah. It, it kind of comes across to me a little bit like Tarantino when he first came on the scene with Reservoir Dogs. I guess yeah. you know it kind of kind of comes out of left field at first. You're kind of like, cause it, well, also very much because of the plot is not straightforward. 
again, kind of like a Pulp Fiction Reservoir dog kind of thing. And I think that kind of lends to the cult status. Once once the word got out, like, oh, check this movie out. It's not, you know, it's not your standard kind of fair. It, it developed differently or whatever. So in that way, maybe sort of like a. That's a good point. Style. I think there are some things here that lend itself more to the cult side of the ledger than just you know a regular Hollywood success type of flick side mm. of the, uh, side of the ledger. So you know we'll go with it. You know it's a thin line, really. It really yeah. is. You know especially like even like if you, you can kind of say that with like the Big Lebowski, it's kind of it's a yeah. good comparison. You know to to go back to the beginning of Cult Corner. You know like th- these are the kind of movies that we probably wouldn't talk about otherwise either. So. In some ways, yeah. this Colt Corner series kind of becomes somewhat of our, our favorite movie kind of place too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Not not genre. It's not linked to any specific genre. Just like this is a place for these type of movies. So sometimes these will get nominated. You know, because for this one we did a wheel spin and it was just truly luck of the draw. It was twenty five percent chance, right, that it was going to land there. So there was no deep thought put into it. It's just like, oh well, we all nominated something and Will actually nominated this one and. Unfortunately, he's not here to talk about it, but, um, yeah, I mean, either way, I think it's a, it's a good one to talk about, uh, whether it's a cult movie or not, you know, I guess we can let you guys, uh, decide, um, hit us back with some, with some feedback. You know, what do you think? Would you consider this a cult classic or not? But either way, that's what we're going to, we're here to talk about today. Um, but before we get any deeper into it, I'll go ahead and toss out some of the usual information. You can contact us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Uh, we're, of course, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, the Slasher app, you know, you should be able to find us by searching for All-American Spook Show or AA Spook Show. Uh, we have a Linktree link down in the show notes to all these things. You should be able to find them very easily there. Of course, uh, we have our Public shop where we have logo merchandise, other cool designs. We have our Patreon, patreon.com slash AA Spook Show, where every month we have Crapster Peace Theater. Every month we have Library of the Professor, other cool stuff, early access to uh, episodes, podcast episodes. Uh, so, uh, we encourage you to go over to patreon.com slash a spook show and uh, become a patron of the show helps us out, helps us put out new cool stuff. And, and on that subject, we just started a cool new series. I think over on our YouTube channel called grindhouse gutter. It actually debuted a couple of weeks ago, back toward the end of August. And the first episode that we did was cannibal Holocaust. So we started off with a big one. I mean, arguably right smoke, one of the biggest, exploitation grindhouse type movies you can do right yeah as, as it's the granddaddy as they say of that the next grindhouse gutter is going to come out this week uh, i'm not sure about specifically what day but it will come out some point this week so we behoove you to go over to our youtube channel and subscribe and click on the bell to be notified whenever something goes up that way you won't miss it but so, at some point this week the next grindhouse gutter will come out and what are we gonna what are we gonna be partaking in this week smoke but i thought i thought i'd do another semi-historical Grindhouse movie since, you know, uh, Cannibal Holocaust is probably the most notorious. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Kung Fu Flick, Five Fingers of Death, which was also known as King Boxer. Uh, but in the U.S. it was released as Five Fingers of Death. That's when it hit Grindhouses under that title, and that was in March. Uh, even though the movie came out in Hong Kong in 72, it came out over here in 1973, and it pretty much, that, not too long ago, it was followed by Bruce Lee's uh, The Big Boss, no, you know, released in the U.S., I believe, at the time, as Fist of Fury. Those two movies just, you know, took the U.S. by storm as far as kung fu craze. It pretty much launched the whole, the whole you know, basically them taking all these Skull Brothers movies that had already, you know, come out and re-released them over here in the, in the grindhouse circuit. And it led to, pretty much led to, you might as well, you can just go down the line. It led to, like, Karate Kid and all these things. Pretty much the whole martial arts fever that, that hit the U.S. 
with schools opening. Hell, I even took Kung Fu for a number of years in high school. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it basically launched the martial arts craze in America and in the grindhouse scene. So, uh, that's what we'll do. Well, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to that. So, you want to head over to our YouTube channel, uh, which the link is, once again, down in the, uh, in the show notes, the Linktree link there. Uh, there's a link that'll take you right to our YouTube page so you can subscribe. And uh, you won't miss a thing when uh, th- this and other series start coming out over on our YouTube. Uh, but yeah, so without any further buildup, I guess we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Memento. I have this condition. A condition? It's my memory. Amnesia. No, 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 no. It's different from that. What? Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. Next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. What's the last thing that you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. Lenny! I guess I've already told you about my condition. Oh, well, only every time I see you. You don't remember where you've been or what you've just done. No, I can't make new memories. It's like waking. It's like you just woke up. Maybe I can help you find him. Are you sure you want this? My wife deserves vengeance. Do not trust her. She's going to use you to protect herself. I think someone's been trying to get me to kill the wrong guy. You can question everything. You can never know anything for sure. Teddy, don't believe his lies. You wander around playing detective. Well, maybe you should start investigating yourself. Who did this to you? You did. I want my life back! Why are you asking me? I can't remember what I've done. I have no short-term memory. Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. The next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. <laughs> I don't even know if I've met you before. I've told you this before, haven't I? All right, so there you go. So before we have our little, you know, uh, roundtable discussion about the movie, I'll go ahead and throw out some uh, information. And there's quite a bit of it for a movie like this, obviously for uh, a lot of reasons. An alternate title for this one, and it was actually called this in some other countries, uh, which I thought this would have probably been just as well and probably would have explained more of what you're about to see because uh, it was simply titled Amnesia. <laughs> so if, I guess you wouldn't want to call it what he really had. What was it, Donnie, that like the guy actually had? What did they call that? It was anterograde amnesia. Yeah. Is actually so, the, so the name a, of a, kind of a form of amnesia. But yeah. 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 But you're not. My point is, you're not going to call the movie anterograde amnesia. You know, so. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. 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 But it debuted September 5th, 2000 at the Venice Film Festival. But it was actually released here in the United States, March 16th, 2001. That was a limited release. And then it grew theaters over, you know, the next couple months, really. And then basically it was wide by May 25th of 2001. Uh, It was produced by Summit Entertainment, Team Todd, I Remember Productions, and New Market Capital Group. And it was distributed by New Market Films. And New Market Films was actually later, years later, bought out by Lionsgate. So that's who currently owns the the uh, New Market Films Library. This film was rated R, total runtime of one hour, 53 minutes, 
Uh, it's a neo-noir mystery thriller, and it was filmed in and around Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area, Burbank, and in Los, uh, parts in Las Vegas from September 7th to October 8th of 1999 for a budget of $9 million, like we discussed earlier, it had a worldwide gross of slightly over $40 million. But it took it a while to get there. But that first weekend that it opened, Limited, uh, which was the weekend of March 16th through the 18th of 2001, I've got the top 10. Now, it did not crack the top 10. It was number 27 that week. But like I said, it was it was literally only in, which this is pretty impressive considering. It was number 27 in the box office, even though it only played in 11 theaters domestically here in the United Dang. States. So that's that's pretty good. That's I mean, it, it made 200, yeah. over $235,000 that weekend but I, I as we always do I, I just like running through the top 10 they're always kind of a, a fun snapshot of the time number 10 was traffic number nine chocolate which i think that actually had carrie ann moss in it too i believe if i'm not mistaken so she had two movies playing at the same time number eight hannibal number seven down to earth number six crouching tiger hidden dragon that had been out for 15 weeks by that time uh number five 15 minutes Number four, C-Spot Run. Donnie, that's one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, The Mexican. <laughs> and number two opened up that week, Enemy at the Gates. And number one, which opened that week, Exit Wounds. So there's your uh, March 2001 snapshot of the movie. <laughs> Is that DMX? Exit Wounds. That has Steven Seagal and <laughs> DMX, yep. Yeah. Yeah, but you are at this point you are talking about something that came out twenty one years ago, so <laughs> unless it was something that I really loved, I'm probably just gonna forget about it, you know. <laughs> and I believe I was still working I might have still been working like part time at a movie theater at this at this point in time. So no. yeah, it was a it was a slow season, clearly. Yeah, but anyways, it's always interesting to look back on. Now this one turned out to be obviously hugely successful financially, but also critically. It was nominated um, among many other awards. It was nominated for two Oscars, you know, the following year, 2002, for Best Original Screenplay and Best Film Editing, but it didn't win either of them. The Best Original Screenplay Oscar ended up going to Gosford Park, and the Best Film Editing Oscar ended up going to Black Hawk Down, which in hindsight, like, I haven't seen either one of the. I've never seen Gosford Park and mm. uh, Black Hawk Down. I watched probably not long after it came out or something, so yeah, those same. are for, for me, those are forgettable compared to this movie. Though, you know, like, and the editing in this movie is just, just insane. You know, for this movie not to at least get the Oscar for that is, is a crime. But, you know, you know how it is sometimes. And, of course, the big winner at the Oscars that year, although this wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but I just thought I should uh, uh, mention it. The big winner that year was A Beautiful Mind. That was the, the big release mm. that raked up Best Picture and a bunch of other awards. Ron Howard for Best Director, a bunch of others that year, so... Once again, another snapshot. It's always interesting. Uh, this movie was based on a story by Christopher Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan, called Memento Mori, which was a slightly different... Basically, like, Christopher Nolan wrote the screenplay for this, but, like, it was based on an idea of his brother. And then his brother kind of wrote his own version of the story that got published in Esquire magazine around the same time that the movie got released. So that, yeah. that came out, like, in 2001 in Esquire, and then the movie comes out you know, like we said, uh, around the same time period, but it, it is a slightly different take. Apparently, his story versus what this movie. Yeah, they they had actually uh, they they still consider uh, Christopher Nolan's screenplay to be an original screenplay. Yeah, um, yeah, because it wasn't based on the story. It was like 
his brother like told him an idea. Like he gave him the idea for it, and then they both kind of worked on it together, and it grew into this screenplay. So yeah. it is an original screenplay, yeah. even though it is based on a, a, a story made by his brother. You know, so it's kind of confusing that way. But they basically worked together to to formulate this thing. Fast forward ahead in 2017, it was preserved in the United States Library of Congress in the National Film Registry. So that's how important this movie became. Is that it's actually one of the ones preserved. In the Library of Congress. There's also, you know, if you've seen the movie, and obviously I'll, I'll pause here. If you haven't seen this movie, hit pause on this podcast, go watch this movie, and then come back. Because we do not want to spoil this for you. And we are a spoiler-filled podcast. So this is one of those kind of movies that, please, don't don't listen to this and then go watch it. Please, go watch this movie if you haven't seen it. And then come back to us. Because I really, you need to see, it, love it or hate it, you, it needs to be seen. Because of the uniqueness of it all. But, so that being said, the way this movie plays out is it's kind of backwards, right? Like, the entire movie is yeah. played backwards. There is a chronological order version of the movie that's out there. Yeah, uh, you can watch it on the, uh, I believe it's the uh, special uh, special yeah. edition version. I, I lifted this straight out of Wikipedia. The chronological order of the story can be viewed as a hidden feature on the two-disc limited edition Region 1 DVD and the three-disc special edition region two DVD uh, in this special feature, the chapters of the film are put together into the chronological order and is shown like this, like ending credits run in reverse. Then basically the end of the movie, because they, they numbered the segments of the movie, like uh, one, yeah. one through 22 and then the black and white segments like a through V. So it goes opposite in this version, one mm-hmm. through 22 and then a through V. Then the opening title runs backward to what was shown the opening title sequences run in reverse during the actual movie. So it's shown forward in this version. If any of that makes sense. So like, no, not at all. They just, Say it they, again. They flip it upside down. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Also a couple other fascinating notes. I saw Brad Pitt was actually supposed to be Leonard, but because he had some other conflicts, he couldn't do it. And they also considered Aaron Eckhart and Thomas Jane for the role, but it ended up going to Guy Pierce. Also, Donnie, I thought you would find this interesting as a big Radiohead fan. They wanted, Paranoid, yeah. They wanted Paranoid Android to use for the final credits, I guess, but they they couldn't secure the rights for whatever reason. So yeah, they, it was um, yeah, so they, it, so it was something about the, something uh, in the, air the royalties were going to be too expensive. So you know. which is ironic considering they they ended up getting something in the air <laughs> by David Bowie, but no, you would think that would be expensive. But then I think I did see also they ended up they did end up using a Radiohead track in the soundtrack for this. It wasn't Paranoid Android. It was a different song. It was released on DVD and VHS September 4th, 2001, and then eventually got a Blu-ray release, two different Blu-ray releases. There were multiple DVD releases as well throughout the years, but that was the first release, September of 01. But then two Blu-ray releases, one in 2006 and then one in 2011. It's currently streaming on uh, HBO Max, Hoopla, and Canopy. Like we mentioned earlier, it was directed and the screenplay was written by Christopher Nolan, who would best be known for the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Tenet. The dude's got like a, a laundry list of movies that came out after this movie. Like this was the movie that kind of, you know, lit him on fire. And then those Dark Knight movies, you know, took him into the stratosphere. But and Inception, of course. But yeah, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Tenet, all all great movies. It stars Guy Pierce as Leonard, who would be known from uh, he's tons of TV and movie work. But he was in Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. He was in Prometheus, and he was also in Iron Man Three. It stars Carrie Ann Moss as Natalie. She would, uh, you could argue, best be known for her role 
as uh, Trinity in The Matrix, all four Matrix films. She was in Fido, Silent Hill Revelation, The Bye Bye Man, you know, just some uh, horror titles for you. And uh, Joe Pantoliano as Teddy. Uh, he was in the original Matrix movie with Carrie Ann Moss. Also, mm-hmm. he was in Smoke. He was in the, one of your favorites, The Final Terror. Uh, Donnie, he was in one of your favorites, The Goonies. Straight up. <laughs> of course, he was one of the Fratellis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was in two episodes of Tales from the Crypt. He was in 21 episodes of The Sopranos, all three Bad Boys movies, so the Bad Boys trilogy of movies. Uh, so, yeah, uh, those, th- I mean, th- there are plenty of other, you know, good cast members in this movie, like uh, Stephen Toblowski and uh, Mark Boone Jr. and stuff. But, yeah, those are the main uh, cast members of this film. Really, that's about all I had before we uh, dive into it. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to add? Any tidbits I left off? This, this, this movie's like got a lot of everything. If we were to go through probably all of the little idiosyncrasies of this movie, we'd probably be here for about four or five hours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even yeah. not even within the movie, just the stuff behind the scenes and you know. Yeah. We kind of talk about how this uh, uh, how this movie is just backwards, reversed, you know, just everything. Uh, the the narrative jumps 113 times. <laughs> so, wow. you know, just from jumping around from one time period to another, you know. It's an undertaking. Yeah, not just yeah a, definitely. Not, not just to watch it, but, like, everything they had, they did, Christopher Nolan specifically did, to put this movie together, write this movie. Listen, yeah, this lot, would have drove of, me of, insane. Just like, uh, one thing I read, uh, the cinematographer, uh, Wally Fister, he, he uh, um, his a friend, I think it was a friend of his, uh, tur- turned down the uh, uh, the DP role because he didn't understand the script. Yeah, and then it eventually went to uh, Wally Fister, and uh, he was talking to the the guy that uh, turned it down, and he said, uh, "Yeah, I didn't understand it either." But you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like even the people that were working on it, they were, they weren't entirely sure what the hell it was. What the hell was going on? And I'm sure it added to the confusion. I mean, look, uh, it's, if you know anything about how they make movies, generally movies aren't made like in order anyways. You know, no, like, you're shooting no. the ending first and the, the beginning last. You know, you're all over the place. But I'm sure this one was even more confusing because, you know, yeah, you know, the editing wise, that's where they're going to put it all together. But mm. honestly, with this one, it was probably almost a process of like, they probably filmed it closer to chronological order making it than they did when it actually got put together where it's usually in most films, it's the other way around, you know, but mm. yeah. it. And I think I saw somewhere where like the, the three main players, you know, Leonard, Teddy and Natalie, they were only on set together for like a couple of days because, you know, they, the way they filmed it and, you know, it was spread out and they didn't really have any scenes where they were all together all at the same time anyways, you know? So yeah, I'm sure it was a lot of uh, storyboarding, having shit like on post-it notes on a table and like, you know, <laughs> all right, let's make sure we got all this shit, you know, <laughs> in order and w- how we're doing it here. Of course, on the uh, the upside was if, you know, oh, hey, there, here's a reel we forgot. I don't know where this reel is. I just stick it in wherever. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll make sense in the end. <laughs> yeah. Actually, and it only took 25 days to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> which was, well, I mean, that's, to me, that's, it's this is more of an editing type of movie. Well, like I said, which is crazy that it didn't win an, win the Oscar that year for best film editing. You know, all the, all the uh, things that you see here on the screen were done in post kind of thing and not not CGI type stuff. What I mean is like putting this story together is more of an editing feat than it was a shooting feat. If that makes sense, you know, mm, no. yeah, there's probably a lot more. I'm sure there was a lot more post-production involved in with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we said it, 
you know, I said it earlier, whenever, you know, that time frame, they ended filming October 8th of 99, but it didn't come out until March of 2001. <laughs> but then again, there was, well, I guess the first, the first, it debuted September 5th of 2000. So that's what, that's almost a year from the time that they, you know, cut, ended filming to the time that it debuted at the Venice Film Festival. That's almost a year of post-production. And this ain't like, this ain't the Avengers, you know, <laughs> where there's a lot of, you know, CGI and special effects that have to be done here. This is more of just like laying out your cards out on the table, making sure it makes sense, you know. And probably it's probably a lot of stuff of Nolan himself going through. Mm, you know, I don't like that there. Let's move that here. Mm-hmm. Up there, and, yeah, of like trial and error until he got the right cut that he wanted, so to speak. Because it's very important in the way they he they he made this movie that it may, had to make sense. You know, like all the pieces had to fit together perfectly. And then they, you know, they showed those little, for lack of a better term, interstitials that would kind of connect the, you know, like we went back. All right. Now we're going forward. We went back, you know, and then at the end of it, there would be that little piece of the connecting puzzle piece to, to connect you to the previous thing that you just saw and back and back and back and back. You know, like that's a lot, man. Yep. Just to make it make sense. That's a lot. Yeah. It reminds me, like I had mentioned in the beginning, beginning, I mean, it's got a little bit of that Tarantino vibe of like, well, although it's kind of like, what can I, you know, You've seen Pulp Fiction, so now I'm going to take it and twist it even further, you know, as yeah. far as the playing with people, you know, how, how the plot develops, basically, yeah. backwards. Kind of. you're, you're Another probably... movie kind of, that reminds me of, not the plot at all, but you ever seen or heard of Irreversible? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Movie kind of falls within that extreme cinema a little bit. Gaspar Noe directed it, but it, 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 it works in backwards. It goes, it starts at the end of the movie and works to the beginning of the movie, so to speak, so always interesting when people when directors can pull that off you know and you know if you think about it this isn't the first time we've watched a movie that's kind of like this you remember you might be the killer <laughs> i know <laughs> well, let's compare memento <laughs> to that but you, you see what i'm yeah, saying they're like uh... it was kind of the same in a way like you know just told a different way but the general premise is roughly the same you know <laughs> mm. nah. one of donnie's nah. favorites Oof. you didn't think we'd get that uh that comparison in yeah, the show. See? yeah see never <laughs> I had to slide one in on you, a little curveball. <laughs> it's intermission, it's intermission. It's intermission, it's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade, too. And there's a hot dog waiting for you. The popcorn's popping and it's ready to go. You know all the great food is stealing the show. Get up out your seat and get yourself a tasty treat down at the snack. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I just went over to Audible and I typed in Memento to see what would pop up. And right here we have Memento, an, an Illumini Files novella. I don't know if it's about the Illuminati or something. I don't know. But by uh, Amy Kaufman, Jay Kristoff. Apparently it's part of a series, the Illumini Files book half. <laughs> but that's only an hour and a half long. Uh... And there we have uh, Memento Mori uh, by Muriel Spark. And that one is uh, six hours and 31 minutes. So I'm not sure if that's kind of the same thing uh, that, remember, that was the name of the story that uh, Jonathan Nolan had wrote for Esquire. So, But there's a different one here also. I'm sorry. Memento Mori is also some other thing, right? It must mean some something other, uh, else. Yeah, because there's another book. Yeah. There's another book called Memento Mori, Roman Empire Series Book 8 by Ruth Downey. 
Uh, that one's almost 11 hours long. So yeah, clearly memento mori means something. Who knows? If you know uh, uh, Italian or Greek or whatever the hell that is, uh, let us know. Let us know what that means because I'm not looking it up. Uh, but yeah, if any of that <laughs> if any of that interests you, you can uh, go over there and look that up and uh, download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. It's a good deal. I, I suggest you uh, take advantage of it. Helps uh, Gives you a free book, helps us out. We're all winners. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, go over to IMDb and I'm going to uh, hit plot summaries and I'm going to see what pops up. And we've got a few here. I'm not going to read all of these because... One, two, three, four, five, six different <laughs> plot synopsis or plot summaries on IMDb for this one. Not surprising that there'd be a bunch for, you know, a movie like this, but mm. I'll read a few here. You got the really, the one sentence short one. A man with short-term memory loss attempts to track down his wife's murderer. Yep, that's it. All right, so uh, <laughs> what are we going to watch next week? <laughs> <laughs> a slightly longer one. Memento Chronicles, th- well, I should say this one was submitted by Scion013 on IMDb. Memento chronicles two separate stories of Leonard, an ex-insurance investigator who can no longer build new memories as he attempts to find the murderer of his wife, which is the last thing he remembers. One storyline moves forward in time, while the other tells the story backwards, revealing more each time. Let's see, I'll read one more. This one's a little longer. It's uh, uh, contributed by Huggo on IMDb. Leonard Shelby has short-term memory loss resulting from an injury he sustained which was associated with the murder of his wife. He remembers his life prior to the incident, such as being an insurance claims investigator. He has learned to cope with his memory loss through dealing with a man named Sammy Jankus, a person he investigated professionally who also had short-term memory issues. Some of these coping mechanisms are to have a system of where to place things, talk to people face-to-face if possible rather than on the telephone, as to be able to gauge their true intention, take Polaroids and write copious notes, the most important of those, which he tattoos on his body so that they become permanent. Leonard's current mission is to find and kill his wife's murderer, who he believes is a man named John G., a a name which is tattooed on his body. Over the course of a day, Leonard is assisted in this mission by a few people seemingly independent of each other, including a man named Teddy and a woman named Natalie. However, each time he meets them, he has no idea who they are, why they are helping him, and if indeed they are working toward the same goal as him. So really, I mean, like, where do you want to, where do you, where do we start here with this thing? I mean, right at the beginning, <laughs> those, those Polaroids and re, like reverse developing is really kind of like, it, it grabs you right out the gates, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And it, you know, it also kind of mimics his, uh, you know, Leonard's fading memory. Yeah. I mean, well, really the whole, the whole movie kind of does, right? Like, oh yeah. The whole thing is basically seeing what life would be, be like through his eyes, you mm-hmm. know, of not, being able to remember what the hell you just did. So like, that's why I put in the notes like, man, this really is a masterclass on how to make a movie that you better fucking pay attention to. You know, like it, this isn't the kind of movie you just put on in the background and go do something else. Like, yeah, you either watch this thing or don't watch it because if you're not watching it, man, you're not, you're not going to go what the fuck is going on. I remember that even like the first time I watched that, you know, like probably what 20, oh, yeah. 20 years ago or something. This was like, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a mind fuck. I mean, because if you're paying attention, you understand what's going on. It's just that yeah. the way that the story is told, you really have to pay attention. Basically makes you a participant. And like you have uh, to participate. Because if you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't know shit about what, what the hell just happened. Yeah. You can't really go into it too tired. You know what I mean? No. And, you know, where your mind's not really watching whatever's going on or you're 
like you said, doing something else or whatever, when you got it on playing or something, yeah, you can't, definitely not one of those movies. Yeah, you truly have to focus on this movie. Which, you know, ultimately, you should pay, you know, if you're watching a film, you should pay attention, you know, but obviously what I mean by that is this is one that really makes you pay yeah, attention. It's thought, yeah, it's thought-provoking, and it, you know, that it's, too, yeah. uh, yeah, it really is. So much so that, like, you, you, you wonder what you would do if you were like this, you know, like, if God. you had something like that. Man, this condition, like I wrote in there, this condition would suck. Like, it would just, <laughs> like, I, I'm assuming this is a real thing, right? Like, I mean, it's not just something yeah. they make, yeah, like, medically, this... I, I looked up to see how um, how rare it was, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, I looked up uh, to see how common it was, uh-huh. and uh, turns out it's it's really rare. But it like I could not find a number like that. This happens in maybe you know one in five hundred thousand or something like that. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. find a number. Uh, it just said that um, it was just rare. It's probably so rare that they don't really have odds on it. Yeah, they probably don't. So. I mean, I've never heard of anything like this other than, you know, this movie, for instance, you know, like you, I've heard of amnesia, you know, of course the old trope of somebody getting conked in the head and they don't remember anything for X amount of time. You know, everybody knows that one, but this is something else. Like he can't make new memories. So it's like, it's it's like loss of short-term memory, but like extreme loss of short-term memory. Like God, I remember many years ago, I tried to fake amnesia to get out of work. (laughs) (laughs) I remember doing that shit, but by years ago, yeah. you mean two weeks ago, right? Ah, well, you know <laughs> that part where Natalie like just provokes him, where she's just like, "I'm gonna like," she basically just berates him and, and, and just calls him <laughs> uh, retarded and like, and just just gives him like total shit and like, I can say and do whatever the fuck I want to do because you're not gonna remember this in five minutes, you know? And then she just. I mean- <laughs> And, and, like, he smacks her or punches her or something, right? And then she just goes out to the car and sits there and then comes back in. And sure enough, like, oh, hey, how you doing? What happened to you? you know? <laughs> well, which begs the, 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 you know, the question, too, of, like, you have to figure out how long. Like, you know, she only went outside for, like, five seconds and came back. Like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I hit you. With, oh, okay, let me go back out for maybe 15 more seconds and see what. Yeah. Maybe a minute. <laughs> now, are we led to believe, like, that was one thing, too, uh, about Natalie, like, are we led to believe, like, in this time frame that you see here in the movie, that's where he meets her? Because otherwise, she jumps to a lot of conclusions pretty quick, right? Like, is this something where, like, right. they've known each other for a while? Or it kind of looked to me like, no, she just she just met him, and she figured out, like, that, yeah, this dude really is uh, messed up in the head. And then she immediately takes advantage of him. Is that what you're led to believe? From what I mean, they give us, that's what we're led to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just it's from... Given movie, I guess. Or, or it kind of, like, leaves it kind of open-ended where you don't really know. Exactly. You kind of like where he is, sort of. I mean, almost where you're kind of lost. I think there are a lot of aspects of this movie where they left it like, you know, they he let Christopher Nolan, I should say. Nolan left it that way for a reason. There are gaps yeah. here. You could probably watch this movie f- five or six times in a row and not really yeah. <laughs> fit all the puzzle pieces t- together exactly. You know, there, you'd still have questions. Yeah, even if you watch it in, uh, chronologically. Yeah, I, and I would like to sit there, sit down yeah. one day and watch it like that just to see how different it is. Now, I saw somewhere, this isn't like the DVD extra one, but like I just randomly looked after I watched it, like, hey, I wonder if there's a chronological cut out there. And this is before I did the research, you know, that there was one on the mm-hmm. DVD. Someone, uh, I believe it was over on the Internet Archive, uh, has uploaded a version, a chronological version that they put together, I assume. And apparently it said that they cut out it's basically the entire movie, but they cut out three or four minutes of like 
you know, those, those little connecting threads where it would go back and then it would replay a few seconds of the previous scene to kind of connect the dots. It oh, takes yeah. all, it takes all that stuff out because there's no need for it. Uh, so it's, you know, sans three or four minutes, but it would be interesting to watch it that way just to see if you pick up on anything differently that way. Or, I mean, really it would become somewhat of a normal movie if it's not played that way. Right. Like in the sense of like, would it still hit the same way? You know, if you're watching yeah. it chronologically. And then there's another cut out there where I think they inserted Jar Jar Binks in the random. <laughs> <cut out>. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> and then just Vader going, no, and then that's it. <laughs> you don't remember me? <laughs> so I guess that the, the, the black and white story that is kind of told in forward throughout the movie is really him telling the story of this guy that he wants when he was an insurance investigator, the Sammy Jenkins story, which is by the way, the whole story is fucked, but, <laughs> but is, is that's, that's supposed to be him, right? I mean, like is that, yeah. is that the conclusion that you come to? Yeah, there was a uh, there was a time when you know you saw uh, Sammy in the chair, and I, I guess this was uh, after his wife you know died. You saw Sammy in the chair. Someone walks by, and then it's Leonard in the chair. You yeah. know, you only see it for a split second. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like that. And remember in Fight Club when there's they put in three frames of porn. And the, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh, you know <laughs> it's barely <laughs> enough to where you don't realize what you just saw, but for some reason you still register that you just saw it. Yeah. Something else I did uh, notice uh, was when he wrote on the uh, the Polaroid, uh, "Do not trust her." It was in a uh, it was it was in cursive instead of his, his normal print. That, that may or may not mean anything, right? Like no. maybe I don't know, but I'm thinking it's more of like he just wrote that. Because Teddy was asking him to do it. Remember, Teddy's like, no, you need to write this down. Take yeah. a pen and you need to write this down. And so he's like, all right, whatever the fuck. And then he just, you know, scribbles it as fast as he can kind of thing to just kind of placate Teddy. And mm. then the first chance he gets, he's just, you know, he crosses it back out. So <laughs> I think that might have more to do with just, I'm just doing this because of Teddy's sitting here. And as soon as he yeah. leaves, I'm, you know, but who knows, right? There might be some deal. That's thing. true. Now also, uh, uh, Sammy's middle finger montage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he keeps pick, when he keeps picking up the uh, the little metal <laughs> triangle or whatever it is, yeah, a little, little shock uh, yeah, shocker thing. Yeah. So his condition was well, he they tried to say that it wasn't uh, physical; it was psych, like a, a psychotic prop, not psychotic, but you know, it's in his mind, right? Is that yeah. what they were saying his condition was? So basically, it was unfixable. I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot of like I I, I get it that like in the end, like no, they're really. What I guess that's the question. Was there really even a Sammy Jenkins? Is that even a real dude? Or is it just so happened that like there was a guy like that and then this shit happens to him? It just so happens to be the same thing that was going on with Sammy Jenkins. I mean, wh what do you think about that? Was there really yeah. a Sammy? Is, I guess is the question. I think that's another thing where he's kind of like where he's messing with you again, too. Like it could be. I mean, because they show him trying to remember like when his, he was. That's with his wife. At first, he it shows him putting the insulin needle in his wife's leg, and then the next scene, it's like he's pinching her leg. He's pinching her, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so it's like he's kind of messing with you, the viewer too, to like, well, maybe, maybe he's it's in his mind. Uh, this whole character's in his mind, or maybe he he did kill his wife with the insulin by not knowing the you know or whatever. I don't know that it's a real definite answer either way. Yeah, because you are led to believe that like. The incident with his wife, where somebody comes in and rapes and kills his wife, right? Like, kind of, in some way, did happen, right? Because the whole thing at the end was Teddy basically, 
yeah, we caught that dude like a year ago, but I've just been, since you don't remember anything, I've just been using you to do mm-hmm. other shit, right? <laughs> so, like, so it leads you to believe that, like, something really did happen to her, right? But I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's the one, because as he said, you know, hey, my initials, or mine is, you know, JG. Yeah, John, yeah, yeah, uh, James something, oh. whatever. Yeah, it was JG. Maybe he did that to his wife. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's just, I think it's very open-ended as far as, but I think it's Nolan did that on purpose to fuck with the viewer even more. And the guy that uh, ran the hotel was renting him two different rooms. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh uh, yeah, just two. You only <laughs> how many rooms do I have? Oh, just two. I just you know, just been had, fucking with it. I had to meet the quota or something, so <laughs> he's renting him two rooms. I don't. And then like, uh, what's the name? Uh, messing with him with the <laughs> with the spitting in the drink or whatever. Remember in the bar? Oh yeah, the bar yeah. team. And then he goes, he goes and sits it down. Here you go on yeah, the house. The old, yeah, the old bar fly like Hoxaloog in there, and then she spits in it, yeah. and then he then spits he, in it, and then she just, <laughs> and then he just walks over to the little cubicle and still drinks it. Well, that's that's uh, I think that's evidence enough for me that this dude he's fucked in the head, all right, for sure. He's not lying. Yeah, a lot of good stuff here, man. Mm. It, it really was well put together. But I guess in the end. What do you think about the beginning as far as the beginning? Well, I guess the end is the beginning is the, or the end is the beginning is the end or whatever the fuck. It's basically all a circle, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. Man. because it basically kind of like, I, I really thought that was a cool transition too, where you're, you're going from the color scenes are in reverse, so to speak. And then the black and white scenes are kind of like forward, right? Somewhere yeah. toward the end there, that black and white scene is playing out. And then you notice there's a slow dissolve the color. So it just it just flips right there, and then basically what you're seeing is the beginning of the story is really at the end of the movie is just basically starting the whole yeah. movie over again. Yeah. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> you can you can understand the, uh, the that DP, you know Donnie, as you were mentioning, I can't remember his name, but getting that script and trying, you know, we're talking about it after the fact, after the movie's already made come out. But if you're trying to read a script where it's trying to describe that what's going on in the movie. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Fuck this. And then later he kind of regretting it because, you know, it became a, whatever you want to call it, a cult hit or whatever. Or it, it made a name for everybody. I think in the movie. Yeah. Um, his name was, uh, Mark Vargo. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, he's, um, he's, a, he was actually a cinematographer on, uh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> it was a movie called I fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's, uh, he's more primarily, uh, known, uh, visual effects uh, artists for um, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, uh, In the Line of Fire, tons more. Uh, he's got, geez, he's got a lot of uh, IMDb credits, probably over 100. Yeah, I can see not, not visualizing it in the head because you got no one else going for the storyline. <laughs> yeah, that, the other guy's sister, like you said, he's like, oh, I don't know what the fuck's going on either. But I'm just going to shoot some, I'm just going to set some shit up and I'll say, all right. <laughs> it does look good though. The cinematography does look. Oh yeah, yeah. Great. I mean, everything about Very, it. Like, I love the yeah. Just looks. I mean, it, the sound design, everything is good. Yeah. As far as the this, as you say, it's a it's an editing sort of editing masterpiece. So yeah, awesome, awesomely put together, well edited. Obviously, the screenplay is just so original and you know and off the charts. Yeah, like you said, even the look of it, the direction, everything. I mean, it's just it's a great movie. And I dare say, I bet you. I have, you know, it's not like I'm sitting around watching all the best picture nominees from 2002 right now, but I bet you anything, if you go watch all those and compare it to this, at least one or two of those probably isn't going to hold up as well as this one did. 
No. I, bet, I bet you five bucks. This is one of those movies you you know they they teach in classes and stuff like that. You know, yep. <laughs> it's really is like a masterpiece type of movie. You know, like this is an example of how you do it right. To that end, uh, one last thing, but you know, before we uh, get into our usual stuff at the end here, this film appears on tons of best film lists. The BBC ranked it the number twenty five number twenty five on the twenty first century's one hundred greatest films. Uh, Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood's 100 favorite uh, favorite films. It was number 89. Empire Magazine, the 301 greatest movies of all time. It's number 58. It's also on Empire's list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. It's number 173. It goes up as high as number two on total films, 50 best movies of our lifetime. IMDb, 15th anniversary of top 15 films for the last 15 years. It's number seven uh, and on and on. Even uh, American Film Institute, AFI, top 10 films of the year. It was number six. It even won a, a Bram Stoker Award, Smoke, uh, for Best Screenplay for uh, Christopher. Oh, really? Christopher, yeah, that year. So that that's interesting. Uh, Saturn Awards, which we bring up uh, often on on the show, uh, it won Best Action Adventure Thriller Film, and Guy Pearce was actually nominated for Best Actor, but he didn't win it. And there was actually talk of a, a, a remake of this movie, which I don't know about that. Uh, sometimes I think you should just leave it alone. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should even bother with trying to do that. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and toss it to you first, Donnie. Donnie, where's the cult connections? Come out and play. Uh, yeah, thanks for cutting that because I know it just keeps on. Oh, oh no, I haven't cut it yet. <laughs> I'll go ahead and let it trail off. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I know it just keeps on going for like a minute. <laughs> no, so um, uh, all right. So basically, what we do here is uh, um, we try to connect the current movie to past Big Show episodes, uh, and there were a couple of connections. There are uh, n- no one on the cast side, unfortunately, uh, but on the crew side, we do have a couple of uh, stunt crew members that um, that, that actually worked on Annabelle, uh, which is a prior episode. I believe it's um, episode number twelve. And then also our uh, one of our crapster piece uh, uh, episodes. We're getting yeah. cra- we're getting a surprise crap connection here. Yeah, surprise uh, crap connection. Uh, one of the stunt crew also worked on. Um, uh, well, I'm sorry. One of the stunt crew for Memento also uh, worked on No Holds Barred, which was our uh, second crapster piece. I theater. was going to say I was going to say he was slumming it, but it was the reverse. <laughs> he mementoed us. Yeah, he, he worked on the shittier one before the good one. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm sorry. It was, uh, uh, piece, uh, three. So there, if, if we were looking to tie memento to Hulk Hogan, you just did it. <laughs> maybe that's the, maybe that's the new shtick. How does this movie connect to Hulk Hogan? <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. So anyways, yeah, we don't do the, uh, the, the gore score, and we don't do the uh, you know the kill count because obviously this isn't a horror movie. But we still do the star rating. So Donnie, I'll let you uh, get started. What what are, what are your thoughts on it? And what's your star rating? Man, yeah, this this is a this is a bona fide classic. You know, we we shit. What else? What else is there to say about it that, that we haven't already discussed? The only thing left is my star rating. I'm gonna go to flat four stars. Professor, what do you say? Uh, yeah, this is the second time I've seen it. The first time in 20 years, probably, or 19, somewhere in there. Uh, and, of course, you could watch it a few more times. You could probably turn around and watch it the next day and still catch stuff you didn't catch before. You know, 
So it definitely has rewatchability. I'll also say, though, as we discussed, it's not one that you want to uh, watch when you're kind of tired and stuff. And unfortunately for me, I didn't get a chance to watch this movie until today when I got off work. And I was supposed to work eight-hour shift, and I ended up working almost 12 hours. So (laughs) by the time I got home and and watched it, I was a little bit tired. And I did, I mean, you know, I was fine as far as, I mean, I'd seen it before. But still, there was, it was like my attention was there, but, but my, you know, well, straying a little bit because of the just being mm. tired, and that's that's definitely not the ideal situation to watch. No, movie. but uh, yeah, I mean, I still, yeah, it's, it's a great movie, and I would need to see it again. I could watch it again when I'm more coherent and have it, you know, and have some sleep. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, take a, take, take a nice long nap, get you a cup of coffee, and go put it back on again. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. you can, and maybe yeah. by then, you can, if you get a chance, you can rewrite it on the fourth anniversary show on Halloween. <laughs> and and who. This is another one too, where you could probably watch four or five times and still re-rate it some some degree. You might you might watch it again and like, damn, this is this is a fucking masterpiece. And like you know, I should give it pretty much close to five stars. Or the next time you're like, like I said, like you're in a mood where you're real super tired and you like miss stuff and you got to go back and damn it, I'm gonna go back. I went back at chapter in the DVD and I still don't remember this part. Let me go back. And then you're like, well, damn, I don't know, maybe it's a little overrated. So th- there's all kind of different avenues I think you could uh watch this movie under and I haven't I'd like to watch the chronological and just see what that's like experience of that is. Uh but yeah, I I'll give it I'm gonna give it three and three quarters till I can get back to it yet again. And I may I may very well re rate it again. But yeah, for right now I'm gonna yeah, three and three quarters. Uh yeah, like Donnie said, what more can really can we say about it that we've already said here? I mean it, it it's so well done from top to bottom, so well written, uh edited, shot, everything. It's just, you know, I'm not saying it's the perfect movie or anything like that, but it's just mm-hmm. a well done movie, and, and, and I'm sure it's one of those ones that people will look back on and, and really like as time goes on. I mean, and not that it was shit on at the time because it wasn't. I mean, it was even highly regarded back then by critics and everything. But I really think it's one of those ones that a lot of people need to kind of have a reevaluation 20, 25, 30 years later, and really appreciate it more for what it is. Uh, to you know, maybe to pump it up even higher than it was, but. That being said, I think, Donnie, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it a flat four stars. Um, so we'll get Will's rating, you know, whenever it, he gets a chance, either on the next episode or, you know, at least by the fourth anniversary show, we'll get his rating. But I have a feeling since he was the one that nominated this, his rating's probably going to be pretty high. Because mm-hmm. I've I, I talked to him, and I know that he, this is one that he he's watched a lot of times, and he really loves this movie. So uh, there will be no surprise if this is a four-plus rating out of him, for sure. But... We'll, we'll find out when, for sure when we get him back on and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's Memento. But before we tap out just completely on that one, I'll leave you with the critic aggregates on it. IMDb, it gets 8.4 out of 10 stars. Metacritic, the meta score is 80. That's out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes on the tomato meter, surprise, surprise. Certified Fresh, 93%. With an audience score of 94%. Audiences and critics alike. All love this movie, so no question about that. Probably one of the more. This is rare air for us here on the Spoo Show. We don't do a lot of big Oscar winner movies either. Mm. You know, we've only done a couple, right? That actually have an Oscar. <laughs> so this is uh this is another one. So very rare air. But uh, speaking of the air, next week we're going to be taking to the air, and we're going to be watching Donnie's choice from 1986, The Fly. I'll read you the uh, brief synopsis over on IMDb. A brilliant but eccentric scientist begins to transform into a giant man-fly hybrid after one of his experiments goes horribly wrong. 
and that's uh of course by the great david cronenberg now talk about remakes uh smoke this is one of the better ones right yeah this is one of my personal favorite remakes yeah i forget what number i had it at but i'm pretty sure if we go back in the spook show archives on youtube when we did the our favorite remakes i know i have it in there but i can't remember what the number was yeah yeah i believe you and uh will had it uh, very high on your list. So we're going to be uh, going with Donnie's choice next week for the fly, Donnie. So that was a really good one. And then uh, yes. just looking ahead a little bit, and just because of uh, the way we have to schedule things out and everything, we're going to make a couple of announcements. The next episode after the fly, episode 126, we're going to be talking to uh, the author of the Canon Film Guide, Volume 1, and now Volume 2, Austin Trunick. You know, he, he regularly appears with his Canon Chronicle segment on our Canon Fodder episodes. He's going to be coming back for a full episode. We're going to have a whole interview with him talking about volume two of the Canon film guide and those years that he uh, talks about, I think it's only like a two or three year period uh, that that book involves of Canon film. So that those are some big years. I think it's 85 to 87. I think that he captures in that volume and the -hmm. book's like double the size of the first one. So it's going to be interesting to talk to Austin about that. But once we get past that, smoke, I'm going to hand the baton over to you because this is your pick. It's going to be your choice. And this is going to be the the last movie of, of our of uh, of the line of movies that we've been watching since we came out of Camp Spook Show that's going to lead us straight into uh, into the month of October. So uh, the choice is oh, yours. What, what do you got? Uh, I got one that I think will be good for leading us into October. And not that it's Halloween-related necessarily, directly anyways, but uh, I'm going to go with 2016 movie called The Witch from Robert Eggers. Mm. Oh. Nice. Oh, boy. This is going to be fun to explain. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as far as Memento is, I guess. I mean, well, now true, it's not true, as, you're like, right. It's not as, it's all over the place like Memento was as far as the reverse order or anything. But yeah, it's like symbolism and, and the fact that they're speaking in a language, well, English, but still speaking sort of old English as they did, you know, in the colonies at the time. Mm. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting when I think it. And like I said, leading into Halloween, what better way to lead into it with some classic witch folklore? So. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I, I, I've seen it. But I haven't seen it since, like, you know, it came out on Blu-ray, you know, some, some, sometime around there. Because I, I did not see that in the theater. So it was sometime after it got released. You know, it, it's always a fuzzy Blu-ray, digital, all that. Wh- whatever the first opportunity I got to watch it was, it, I remember being at home. But, yeah, I have seen that one. That, that's a good one. So I'm looking forward to that. Donnie, have you seen The Witch? You would remember, I did not. You would remember it not. if you had. I did not. No, I I, uh, I think I watched the trailer. It's it's in our it's in our list. Well, we just haven't got to yeah. it yet. Well, now's the time, brother. You're gonna you're about there to get to it. So that's I, what, yeah. I've heard good I, things. You know. From oh, you yeah, guys. it's good. I think you're gonna like it. But uh, so yeah, that's that's the lineup coming up. We've got the fly next week. Uh, the uh, Austin Trunick interview on episode 126, and then episode 127, the witch. And then we will follow it up with the second annual Spook Show Awards right after that. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting close. We're, we're in, inching closer and closer to the month of October. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to us on Labor Day. I know uh, everybody's been, uh, you know, probably uh, having cookouts and uh, enjoying family and friends and stuff. So if you listen to us here on Labor Day, we appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to listen to us. And if not, you didn't hear me say this, so go fuck yourself. So. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so all right i guess i guess that's it so uh for will donnie professor smoke i'm josh we are the all-american spook show podcast and we'll talk to you next week for the fly as you leave the theater folks please be careful don't let this happen to your car be sure to remove the speaker before you leave if you should accidentally pull a speaker loose 
Please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.